0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Curiously Creative Podcast. Curiously Creative loves creativity and inspiring people to follow their own creative curiosities. We hope to bring you a bit of joy and inspiration with everything we do so that you can fall in love with creativity too. I'm your host, Akriti Lee, and each month I share conversations with all kinds of creative people who share their journeys and unique perspectives around their own creativity. We hope these conversations help us understand our own creative process and have the courage to live more creative lives. Today, I'm thrilled to be presenting the deep-thinking, very philosophical and inspiring, Alf Daniels Mabingo. Amongst many things, Mabingo is a traditional performer, dancer, percussionist, writer, choreographer, educator and researcher of artistic practices from East Africa. Mabengo has taught dance and given lectures in communities and academic settings in different countries in Africa as well as in the US, Australia, Germany, the island of the Bahamas and New Zealand, and is currently pursuing a PhD in Dance Studies and Education at the University of Auckland. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today, All <laughs> I'm grateful for this opportunity because I took a uh, dance class, and dr- dance and drumming workshop um, with you about two years ago, and it was amazing. It really helped me connect with my own in- internal sense of rhythm, mm. my body, and it was just really <coughs> fun. And I remember leaving the African dance class thinking that, wow, that was so much fun. And I felt very elevated mm. and almost like a spiritual experience. So mm. that was really cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and from what I know roughly about you is that you have quite a diverse career as an African dancer. You've been a dance educator, you are a dance educator, you're a performer, you're a choreographer, you're a researcher, you're a writer, percussionist, working with a variety of people in both academic and non-academic settings. And you're also currently doing your PhD um, in dance education. Is that right? Yes, please. Yeah. Um, So firstly, it would be great to know how it has all started for you. Where does your drive or your passion for African dance come from?
1: Well, um, like you said, you know, journeys um, have their own character, all characters, you know. Personally for me, um, I was born into a very, very, you know, a world of um, art and creativity back home in my native country, Uganda, in a village called Imbokira, which is in central Uganda. And so, I think right from childhood, you know, we had the opportunity to explore and express, you know, um, (coughs) creativity and innovation artistically Mm -hmm. in so many ways, be it, you know, stories, children's stories, be it children's games, be it, you know, the crafts that we make. I grew up in that um, kind of environment, but the beauty about it is that, because it's more of a habit, mm-hmm. so you're not conscious about yes. it, you're not conscious about how that kind of orients you into this broader world of creativity and, you know, art, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's like breathing in, uh, in and out.
2: Yes.
1: You know, until people tell you, oh, you can't breathe in and out, that's when you're like, oh, this thing is serious. (laughs) If I don't do it, I can die. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, but if that doesn't happen to you, you don't don't care much, you don't think, you know. Yeah, Yeah, and then when you go into it, you know, you're like, okay, if I breathe, these muscles move, if I breathe, this organ moves. You know, once you put your mind onto it, that's when you, you know, discover. Yeah. That it's just more tha- than, you know, inhaling and exhaling that air out, you know. So I always, you know, tell people that the same applies to, you know, creativity that surrounds and that, you know, informs and that is formed by, you know, our um, African and our generalised here uh, experiences. Mm. So that was my foundation. And um, I've been adding on more bricks, you know, through my intercultural, cross-cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. You go on borrowing, you know, uh, from different you know experiences and encounters to enrich or to modify, mm-hmm. you know, or to create, you know, new voices mm-hmm. and new characters and you know and uh, new universes, you know, from those different experiences. So, um, but what motivates me? Into this world of you know creativity it's the kind of uh, freedom that creativity accords mm-hmm. an individual to express, to communicate, to articulate, to illuminate, to educate, to sensitize to raise awareness, to share, to express you know love, mm-hmm. to express disagreement, to express anger, so it's a wide range of you know things and yeah. Mm-hmm and expressions that come with creativity. And so the ability of art to allow me to kind of, you know, create all those different voices that can touch people beyond my own ethnic community, beyond my own country, beyond my own, you know, these universities and some other subcultures in which I live is what keeps me moving in this world. Um, that is one. Secondly, if I situate my creativity from my cross-cultural, intercultural journeys, I think um, being a dancer you know, from African culture, you find that, you know, when you travel outside Africa, mm-hmm. it's a different picture that is created about, about the continent, about dance. So they uh, say there is this kind of exoticism um, that the world expects. And so part of my agenda is to um, introduce new narratives Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and introduce new experiences through art so that people know our art and creativity for what it is and And not what they think it is.
0: Yeah, and it's much more broad and rich and deeper ingrained than what most people are exposed to. Mm. So you started off? You're saying your, crea- your dance and experience with creativity was more from childhood because it's part of the culture making, doing, building, mm, whatever thinking, it was. You know, becoming. Yeah, all that, and yeah. without you even being conscious of it. What was the point when you did become conscious of it to go, okay, this is something that I really want to pursue? Like, African dance is really something I want to pursue. And what did your formal. Journey start to look like.
1: I think uh, it was around the age of thirteen. Um, at the, around that age, I read. I'd read about our history,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but just you know snapshots.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I read a book, uh, a play, by Ngugi wa It's called The Trial of Dedan Kimathi.
2: Right.
1: Dedan Kimathi was um, a Kenyan freedom fighter.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, who fought colonialists? Mm. Part of the Ma- Mau Mau rebellion mm. in Kenya, and he was put on trial. He, the ending wasn't good for the Danikimazi. I started questioning our history yeah. and our experiences,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that inspired me to read more
2: mm-hmm.
1: about our history, pre-colonial but also colonial, you know. Right. And so I started reading, you know, books about, you know, the history, what happened, mm-hmm. the interaction that, it, you know, existed between the colonial administrators, governments, and then the local people, in, you know, how that impacted culture, how that impacted politics, uh, the, the economy, mm-hmm. the, its structure, and also f- uh, phenomenological experiences with it. Context of the African continent, one of the things that intrigued me is that every community that I read about, mm-hmm. I discovered that, um, including actually communities outside uh, the continent of Africa, mm-hmm. talk about the African American community in the U.S. Yes. Talk about um, 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 South America. You know that there was this kind of resistance against creativity and art from colonial governments. Mm. There is no single society that was colonized and the arts, they are not decimated, completely shattered by colonial administrations.
2: Mm.
1: I have never read any. That was the first target. Wow. You know, so there is something about mm. it. So that intrigued me to Go and then look at this art. What is hidden in this art? What is that power?
0: Why is it, why? Why is it being banned or yes. taken
1: out? Of? Why is it always the yes. target? And even in our contemporary mm. world. And so I decided that at the university I need to go and study art and try to to find out, you know, what's going on in that world. Mm. What, is the, what power is the power of, art? of that art? Is yeah. there power? Those are the some of the questions that I had. Right. Is it so special? What What is it? But also, part of me is that I've always been an unconformist. I go against the norm. Yes. So if everybody is running towards that direction, mm-hmm. you see me <laughs> running <laughs> the opposite other, direction. Yeah. yeah. So in my country, there's this kind of um, excitement, obsession with professional courses, law, yes. must um, come for a person to have, you know place in a society, you mm. have to study medicine or something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm a disruptor of such norms, yes. you know, mm. so I'm a non-conventionalist. Um, and so that's why, partly why, I also decided to study dance, you know, just try to show people that you can actually study dance and don't even do medicine and law and you still live eh, a purposeful life.
0: So you started studying dance because you wanted to show that traditional studies like law, medicine, were not the only direction. You could study your own dance, your own culture, your own arts, Mm. things like that. Yeah, the world
1: doesn't have a single truth. So those two reasons. One, to explore art which was motivated by reading about all the history, Mm -hmm. but also two, to just say no. You can't, you know, you can't marginalize the, the arts, you no, know, you can you study can. the arts eh? yes. and actually have the same impact and the same relevance eh, that a lawyer and a medical doctor has, and that has always been um, one of the things that um, um, and motivates me you or know, inspires me to keep on moving, keep on walking, marching forward in this field.
0: And so, I'm curious. What did you find, or as you looked for the answer to the question, why art is so powerful? Have you f- found some answers to that question, or why is art so powerful?
1: I have. Part of those answers is me, myself. Yeah, your, <laughs> your own
0: experience with it. My
1: own experiences, yes. but also me, my being an artist. Yes. You know, is um, is is you know part of the answer, but I think. It's always a, a continuous journey. Mm. So you find answers, and sometimes the answers are invalidated by trends and experiences, and so you go back and try to mm. find new answers because the world is is changing, so you can't, it's difficult to have static answers. But I think um, there are some constants here. Yes. There is that kind of um, power at has to capture um, all the um, what I call the four spheres, the four centers eh? Mm -hmm. of of human life. Mm -hmm. And center one is the spiritual center. Center two is the physical center, Mm -hmm. your body and the surroundings. And center number three is the the cognitive power, your head. Mm -hmm. And center number four is the emotional power. You can say the social power, Mm-hmm. but the social power cuts across all those ones. And it lives more outside, although it comes from us, we construct it, you know? Yes. Yeah, so you can add on the fourth, may- may- maybe the fifth, that's or the social, social yeah. you know? Yeah, but social is kind of, it interweaves, eh?
0: It also- Be- Between ins- all the yeah. different centers. It is also derived by the individuals uh-huh. as well, right? So, yes. what the emotional landscape looks like, one person becomes contagious with another person, mm-hmm. so it's it's a what would you say? It it's it it's yeah
1: it's, it's inf- um, infectious.
0: It's infectious. That's right. It's
1: infectious. Yeah. It can go for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's that power you know that it has you know once you disseminate it as a creator as an innovator as a disseminator you don't have control over how people embrace it. Yes. That's right. uh, yeah, so it can, you know, impact someone intellectually, it can, you know, there are some people who get, you know, emotionally stimulated by art. Mm-hmm. So it's a form eh, that goes out there, and then it has so many entry points into the world that it touches. Okay, and that is powerful. Then two, I don't know any community that um, doesn't have art. It's everywhere. It's
0: part of the human d- condition. In different forms,
1: you know. Yeah. You know, art is much more fluid, yes. uh, you know, in communities, and, you know, communities can make their own art, people can make their own art without, without having qualification, without being elected in positions, and yes. well, without being certified. So that is the thing. It lives mm. in there, it, it also kind of um, metamorphoses. it keeps on changing depending on how that society changes, you know. It doesn't die. No. 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 It just, you know, it just mutates
2: yeah.
1: and changes, you know, form. Um, and so that is um, what I, I, I call the constant that you find everywhere, that you have this kind of streaming, you know. Different uh, intellectuals, emotional or you have um, the cognitive mm-hmm. because it 's highly intellectual, and then you have the spiritual you know, power embedded in there, and then you have kind of um, this buffet it 's a cocktail that occupies humanity humanity kind of um, inhabits yeah? and uh, it 's so so powerful mm. and it's a, it's a kind of um, an interesting form of um, cohabitation, you know, to to analyze or even experience between art, creativity, and humanity, the two cohabit, you know. So that is one of the things that I have discovered. But also, um, the ability for it to have the power to allow individuality to blossom when necessary and where necessary. And then, you know, and then that feeds back into communality you know, so that you, you also have art trying to facilitate, mm. you know, that process, you know, of interaction mm-hmm. between individualities and communalities, and so some, it's, it's um, so many layers, you know, involved in there. It also depends on the histories, you know, that particular community that is engaging in dance, mm-hmm. you know, their ex- existentialities. You know the experiences, you know the cultures, etc. So it's kind of a cobweb of quite um, a number of um, factors and aspects.
0: So, do you predominantly practice dance, though, or do you do any other form of African
1: art forms? I do storytelling. I do bits of um, a lot of uh, drumming. Yeah. But again. I don't take that away from dance, because mm. our cosmology, the way it is constructed, is that if you need art, you become art. Yeah, mm. if you need music, you become that music. And for us, art music does not mean only singing, that all of these art forms eh, mm. are intertwined. Yes. So our world is a much more cyclic, it's a holistic. It's not a linear, it's not... It's more not integrated. Yeah, it's yeah. more integrated, more, more cyclic. It's not um, mm. as linear yeah. as um, a number of art forms in the Western world.
2: Mm.
1: So we oscillate between all these different elements eh, yeah. as peers, as entities mm. yeah, that um, conspire together yes. to inform and form our art history and creativity, storytelling, poetry dance, drumming, singing, relation, mnemonics, Mm. visual art, because we create this in space. So even the aspect of space and the physical features within some spaces in which we create, perform, share, celebrate, and disseminate Mm. our art history are very, very specific and important.
0: Mm. And that's something, I think, even outside of art. Generally, there is this notion that everything has to be fragmented. Mm. Like, you do not dive into multiple things at the same time. Mm. That you have to choose one thing. And I understand that that part of it is that it's all integrated and it's all, you know, cyclical. Mm. All part of the same process. But how do you feel about this notion of being a master at something? Or trying to perfect one skill.
1: Um, I don't consider myself a master, and I've told people not to call me that.
0: Yeah.
1: A master in what?
0: Yeah. Well, that's something I think we're conditioned to kind of work towards as well. So that's what I'm curious about. Um, it's like this thing about focusing on one thing, even uh, if you dabble uh, into uh, other things.
1: Yeah, and I, I think. Um, Honestly, even through my education, one of the things that I've struggled with is the idea. Because I don't believe in hierarchies. Yeah, and I think wherever, mm. you know, any space that has hierarchies, ha- the hierarchies have to be challenged, you know. And that makes that space unsettled and unsettling. Mm. And I like, you know, being in spaces that are unsettled and unsettling. Okay. Especially if I can contribute to both like you know, uh, experiences that make that space unsettled, but also unsettling. Mm. And so that's why, for me, I think I bring experiences, and I learn a lot from the people that I work with. So I never cons- never considered myself a teacher, although sometimes mm. the external conditions mean, demand, that I get that brand of a teacher, but personally, I'm more of a... Um, a collaborator, more of a facilitator, more of a a guide, more of a participant Mm
2: -hmm. when
1: I give workshops.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. I don't judge as a teacher, and I don't look at it in terms of creating physical quantifiable material. Mm. No. I don't look at my role as a collaborator in terms of creating what you can call physically dance or movements drumming as sound. No. For me, my role is to ensure that I create a spectacle, you know, uh, that kind of phenomenon, Mm. so that people nurture experiences. So for me, the most important thing is for people to nurture experiences, because the world is so consumed into this uh, mindset of, I have to get it. I have to make this (laughs) money. I have to make a lot of money. I have to be here. I have to be on time. And I'm like, no. How about the experiences that come with that journey? Or even the journey of not getting there. Yes. The journey may not deliver you, mm. you know, to your desired destiny, but the experiences are important.
0: Yes.
1: So people tend to get there and they miss out on the software. Yeah.
0: They miss out the whole process. Yeah, refl- reflection, Yeah,
1: right. On those, you mm. know, the things that happen inside us the things that happen outside us, the memories that we take.
0: Giving the space to be aware of what's happening, why you want what you want, whether you even want it.
1: So that disrupts the idea that I'm a master. Right. I know, I'm Mm. so many things in that process, including, you know, learning from, from, are the people that I collaborate with for me. That is very, very, mm. very important.
0: Well, the class that I did with you, I really had a wonderful experience, exactly how you curated the class was mindful of the experience that you mm. wanted to create and how you're describing it now. I would love to be able to teach like that, or set up an experience like that when I am in that environment being, quote-unquote, teacher. What is your philosophy around creating that environment so that your students feel like that?
1: It's you not know, my philosophy again. Uh, I, I believe that. Oh, um,
0: well, your approach. Maybe. Yeah,
1: experiences are much more powerful than tangible, mm-hmm. and tangible achievements so or the sense of ach- achieving that we attach to those processes, unless you know your achievement is the experiences. Mm. So, and then too. I believe that people come from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to have people come from different social, cultural, economic, ethnic, mm-hmm. national, etc. racial, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, backgrounds. Eh? And I set eh, my own structure and framework, and I tell them you have to get it. No, that's not democratic. So, and I come and teach, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to teach, and I expect everybody to get it. It is impossible because the world and humanity is much more complex mm. than most of us think. Because people have their own histories, they have their own backgrounds, they have their own aspirations, yeah. and so you cannot get one framework, mm-hmm. you know. And then you come for class, and they're like, I, everybody needs to into this by the end of the class. Ah. I set a structure, mm-hmm. not that my classes are not structured. I set a structure because you need it yes. for facilitation. Yeah. But within that structure, I allow people to pursue their own different journeys.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't hmm. judge my um, people.
0: There's no right or wrong. way. Uh-uh. Yeah.
1: I don't judge and I tell them for us we don't judge. Why? Because for us, When you come to the space, Mm. you're valued. Your presence is valued, first and foremost. Two, your experiences are valued. Now when you look at our dances, Mm. and it goes back to the idea of a master, but I'm Mm. telling you the philosophy. We do not have moments where you have a single individual claiming authorship of dance knowledge or music like you see in other parts of the world. Our dances emerged from everybody. That's why they belong to the community, ethnicities. Right. That's why they can't be
0: any hierarchy with it. No. Right?
1: Because yeah. the other person brought the mov- uh, head movement, hmm. and then maybe another person brought a, a certain drum rhythm. Yeah. Then another person created a, a vocal, yeah. you know, yeah. a relation. Yeah. And then it's, uh, how can you now say, oh, okay, it's my bingo. It disrupts, it's so horizontal
2: hmm.
1: and cyclic that automatically it disrupts hierarchies. Well, we have those who perform well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, within our communities. They are there, yes. you know. But the idea is that they also learn, you know, they interlace themselves within the community. Yeah. It's, it's not about, you know, as I'm um, standing out and then you're like, oh, this dance blows to you. So I believe mm. that even when I'm going into teaching, yes. that diversity needs to be appreciated. And that diversity can express itself in so many different mm. constructive and beneficial forms.
0: And do you normally do that via language? <laughs> the way you set the tone of the class, yes. so you've got your structure, but to, be, to allow all the diverse experiences and backgrounds, it's the way you speak and encourage and allow self-expression within that structure. Mm. Is that right?
1: There are two things or more than two. One is the language. My yeah. point, I point more to the experiences. How do you feel? What mm. do you see? Right. Not with your eyes. Yeah. But with your body and with your mind, what do you see? Where are you? Yeah. Where do you want to go? I also so I do that.
0: Bring so it back to self-language,
1: yeah, yeah, and then that kind of reflection and mm. but I also tell them when I teach a movement, I tell them this movement is about this.
2: Mm.
1: But you can't be so in your own experiences. How what meaning does it have to you? Mm-hmm. What meaning can you create that is specific to you, all your family, all your ethnic background? You know, mm-hmm. does it relate? What does it mean to you? If you would move, you know, sometimes I even take people outside the studio if there is a park because I also don't believe so much in these physical structures, but sometimes you have nothing to do. So I tell them, What are you seeing? when you are doing this movement, I'm seeing this, I'm sweating, <laughs> I'm doing ABC. I'm like, okay. Yeah. When you take a bus, mm-hmm. what happens? Do you get the same feeling? No, I don't. I'm like, uh-huh. So why, why do you think in your day-to-day life you live that kind of life? Mm. And so what I, do you benefit yeah. and what do you lose? So you see now, You're taking them away from this thing that, I have to get the movement right, I have to get the movement right, I have to get the movement right, and then you go into the softwares.
0: Yeah. Mm. More about self-reflection and being aware of yourself.
1: Yeah, and establishing those connections.
0: Your your connections, your mind-body connection. Yes. Being aware of what you're feeling, those sort of things. Those uh, sorts of
1: things. One. Two, um, I change structure. I do things in a circle. Mm. I do mm. things in, yeah, because that is also, your smart hierarchies, yes. everybody's yes. inclusive, you know? Oh,
0: love dancing in circles. Yeah, so then
1: I make people mm. jump onto the drums and dance and they sing mm. and they keep on yeah. moving through cycling, you know, through um, those different spaces mm. for them to figure out how to draw from those Different experiences, different forms of encounter. Mm. If it's drumming and you go into dancing and you go into singing and you you go into, you know, whether it's body percussion or even just observing others, being a spectator is part of being part of dance. Mm. Yeah, how do you draw from all those to figure out where you are within that space but also outside that space?
0: I remember when I came to your workshop when I first started with the drumming, and my first response was, ah, (laughs) I've never drummed before. But it gets you out of your head, and once you sit down, you start playing, you're fine. It's like, I don't know what the big deal was. I just need to surrender.
1: (laughs) And And
0: I think that probably was what set the tone for me enjoying the rest of the experience, because that pushed me to get out of my head, out, get out of my preconceived notions of how this should be going mm. and just be
1: um. yeah, and finally, I always make um um uh, the uh, workshops interactive, mm. so I tell people, go like we do it, yeah, go and interact with someone, it's like have a conversation through dance mm. through expressions, through laughter, smile, you know and then jump onto another person. When you feel that you've exhausted the conversation with that person, go to another person. Carry pro- project your stories and experiences. Take them around, share them, and see whether there is a, a thing or two mm-hmm. that you can learn from that person, or the relationships that you feel you can forge from, you know, yes. from that e- uh, experience. So it's different ways of... Um, Allowing people to be. That actually leads spaces. on
0: to another question I had about what you think about this distinction between learning by doing and feeling versus doing learning by thinking. Because you come from both backgrounds of, of learning by doing with your dancing, but then also you're a very accomplished academic and have been in the academic environment for a very long time, which are two different headspaces sometimes. What is your... Approached in terms of balancing thinking and doing?
1: You know what? Ah, it's a very good question. <laughs> but it's also, it comes from a Western ideology.
0: That's right. That's a Western
1: right. ideology? I mean, the the construct itself, the mind body dualism. Mm. They call it the Cartesian dualism. He mm. said, you know, the mind is separate from the body, and dance, we dancers have been grappling with Cartesian you know, um, Cartesian dualism for, for so long, but it depends on what you call thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I believe we have thinking bodies, Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. call that kinethetic intelligence. But I also, um, uh, going back to your um, question, and to address it directly. I think the doing has a lot of thinking. The doing is reflective. The doing is experiential, is rational, is rationalized. Yes. So, people, and you have really, really asked a very good question. Because one of the things that people do, or people think, or people have written about dances from Africa is that we just do. Yes. They think Africans are dancers, they will say, you black people know how to dance. Mm -hmm. You do your dances, oof, Africans, ah! So there is this thing that it's innate, it's intuitive, that it is instinctive, you know, for an African to dance, Mm -hmm. just innate. You don't apply any rationality to it, you just do it, it. and that is wrong. In fact, my thesis is exactly on that. I'm tracing the rationality of our teaching practices. Not dancing, but also it kind of touches yes. a lot extensively on the dancing. Yes. So when we dance, we think it's a philosophical journey. It's a spiritual, mm-hmm. philosophical, cognitive journey.
0: It's a mindset.
1: It's a mindset. Yes. It doesn't happen by itself. We think about it. But because we have memories, like any, any other society, mm. some things we forget, some things we remember, yes. that we do. So I always tell people that, for me, dancing combines all the four or five spheres, simultaneously.
0: That's the emotional,
1: the spiritual, the
0: spiritual, physical. The cognitive,
1: the physical, and the social. Mm. So, we are cognitivized, we are physicalized, we are emotionalized, Mm. and then we are um, spiritualized, and we are socialized. Because even if I'm alone here, Mm. I do it, but I'm interacting with the space, and that is socializing with it. So, socialization is not only about people, it's also about space and whatever is within that space. Don't even forget a number of our dances come from our interaction with space yes. and environment, not with fellow human beings. In fact, it is you, space experiences, and then you bring those experiences to human beings. Mm. And then you create this kind of, you know, blossoming as, um, um artistry mm. a spectacle, aesthetic, out of that. Yes. So we take it seriously. So there is a lot of thinking. It's reflective. Once you reflect on something, you're thinking about it. It's experiential. It's embodied. And so I, I, I take people through that journey. That's why I ask those questions mm. when I'm engaging in collaborative processes with people. I ask questions so that it's not all about the body getting it. I'm not interested in your body getting it. I'm, I'm not awarding marks that I'm going to give accolades. The best dancer in this, no. I want you to be, be able to think about what's going on, feel what's mm. going on, share what's going on, and open yourself, your body, your mind, your soul mm. to more experiences
0: And that's where the real learning is, isn't it?
1: That is where we learn, by nurturing and cultivating and sharing experiences.
0: So how do you inform that in your own PhD work or your own dance education, both academically? How do you combine that?
1: That's a good question. I think part of my scholarly intellectual agenda is to try and um, amplify new ways of knowing, thinking, doing and becoming mm. in what we have as global scholarship. Because global scholarship generally knowledge is a space where civilizations contest some in that contest lose out. That contest has winners and losers. Yes. Academia is part of that ecosystem. It's a contested space. It's hard Because Mm -hmm. at this level, university level, we inherit students who come from primary, secondary. And that is where things go wrong. Wrong. Entrenched. So someone comes and they have been trained, for example, that an ideal dance body is a slim, slender girl. That is the ideal dance body. Because it comes from The tradition of ballet. It's a Western construct. It's an ideology.
2: Mm.
1: It's a world view that superimposes itself, not only on academia, but also dance studios and creative arts industries. And so you come in and you tell people, no, you can be of anybody and still qualify to be a dancer. And I tell them, no, we come from society where women previously, they used to be Fed on special diets so that they gain hips. So for us, the ideal body is a different body. How we construct it, but I also don't want to even generalize because different communities have different ways of appreciating, you know, dance. But in dance, we welcome everybody, regardless of age. It's a struggle, almost turbulence happening as they try to negotiate transition from the other mindset. Mm -hmm. you know, entrenched mindset, to assimilating all these new ways of moving, of doing, of thinking, of feeling. And I sympathize, sometimes I really sympathize with, you know, my collaborators, Mm -hmm. you know. But at the same time, you want to show them that it's still a different way of doing things, but it's philosophical and highly intellectual. So it's not just about doing and going. No. Our aesthetic is a different aesthetic. Our mm. aesthetic is not seen in lines on stage yes. and uniformity and precision and perfection. It's um, a kind of organized chaos yes. on stage yes. and positive chaos for that matter that celebrates individualities. So you come letting individuals be expressive and as much as possible and then that kind of expression, that kind of creativity, that kind of Energy that kind of embodied, you know, um, projection creates a spectacle, a spectacle and a certain form of aesthetic Mm. that um, is not very common or even is difficult to be appreciated uh, in uh, the Western world because the Western world has a certain understanding of um, the aesthetics of dance and other art forms. So, yeah, so that is part of my agenda, is to draw our philosophies, Mm. our stories, our Mm. movements, our techniques, you know, and to to draw our poetry, you know, to draw our histories, and so on and so forth, and bring that into the academy.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, because the world is getting globalized, and we are realizing that, oh, perhaps the last hundred years when the western world has dictated the pace, a number of their models and ideologies are becoming obsolete. Yes. So, time is now for new ideas eh, to be introduced.
0: Well, that leads very nicely into the next question. How do you generally come up with your ideas in building choreography or anything that you're involved in currently? Um,
1: I always tell people that mm. the most important thing for a creative is to show up.
0: <laughs> Touche. Show up. That's all you have to do.
1: That's all you have to do.
0: And everything will take care of itself.
1: And then you just uh, subject your mind and your imagination through yeah. different journeys, and those journeys become creative processes. In some, sometimes, sometimes they don't deliver you, and it's okay, and it's very healthy. So that's what I do. Yeah. So for me, even creating, I want sometimes give responsibility to my dancers to explore different ways of moving so that I give them hints. Because I don't want to superimpose myself onto processes and individuals. I want to collaborate. I really want to collaborate unless they really, really cannot and it's very specific and they don't have that knowledge. Then I move in. But I also try to make it as uh, democratic as possible, because sometimes it 's not us who impose a dictatorial ways on processes mm-hmm. it 's the content itself, yeah, because right. if you tell me, speech this specific dance, however much I want to make the process you know
0: yes.
1: creative and collaborative, the ma- content of the dance itself it 's got
0: specific moves uh-huh. yeah
1: it superimposes itself yeah. on me and on my dancers and processes by extension. So the dictatorship comes from that place, Mm. you know? Mm. Yeah, so sometimes you find ourselves in such situations and you serve, but in a number of cases, I really want to go show up and then engage, you know, myself if it's improvisation, you know, creative, Mm. you know, Mm. explore journey. Yeah, if things happen and I remember them, then I'm like, oh, Maybe this is beautiful, I need to keep it. If I you know, some, sometimes mm. if I don't remember, I'm I'm like, Okay, it's okay, you know? So you go on doing that, even with your dancers. Show up. Show and up, show up, show up.
0: So for when if anyone is feeling stuck or you yourself are feeling stuck or not motivated or inspired, how do you show up for that?
1: No, I don't go back home.
0: You go <laughs> So if you're not, I have cases
1: where I've told my dancers after 20 minutes, let's go home or let's just because
0: it's not working.
1: Oh, let's just sit somewhere and just yeah. talk about you know mm. uh, relationships or other yeah. things, you know. Yeah. And then we just go and let's go hang out and have a drink. Yes. Yeah. And does
0: that help?
1: It helps. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. helps How because does it help? creativity also sometimes creativity um, is like a human oh. beings. Sometimes it works up on, you know, the wrong side of the bed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Now, what do you do about that? Do you f- push it? Yeah. No, pushing it too far. Sometimes it's not helpful. Yeah. You see, sometimes you need to just make, empty, make sure that you are trash, you know, your mind.
2: Yes.
1: Why? You see, delete, because when you delete, and you get more space on your computer, what happens? It is speed space. It's
2: and space. The speed, speed increases. That's true.
1: You know, when you're driving a car and the car is loaded with yeah. the stuff. And and when you drive a car and it's, you know you don't have much.
2: Yeah.
1: Which one moves faster? The one with yes. the, you know, a lot of stuff, loaded yeah. or <laughs> the one without stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So sometimes yeah. when you're stuck, yeah. go delete.
0: Yes.
1: You know, and then you gain more speed, more yeah. space, then come back.
0: I think you can yeah. say that about life in general. Yeah. If something's not working, just trash it. <laughs> Quick, yeah. yeah.
1: So I do that with my dancers. We'll and take
0: I, yeah. some time out, you know, delete T- some space. Yeah. Make some space so you can figure it out. Yeah.
1: So I yeah. do that. If it's personal, I go and then, you know, do other stuff. Do yeah. no writing. It happens even when you're writing. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you say that's something that helps you be more creative in yeah. the long run? With your work, because you are taking the time to be aware where your creativity is sitting Mm. at any given time, and if it needs some rest, giving it rest, Mm -hmm, doing something else, and that actually in the long run helps you be more present when you do show up and when it does work.
1: Exactly, and sometimes, let me tell you this, sometimes I even take more than nine months. And I'm like, this year, I'm going to dedicate it to other things. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe explore creativity in different ways. Mm. So, you know, writing, yes. like the whole of
2: 2016,
1: mm. I was like, I'm going to do writer, ri- okay, writing. writing. I didn't create any single piece of work
2: yeah.
1: at all. And so you go into mm-hmm. hibernation like animals mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. I do, you know, yeah. stuff, and then by the time you bounce back, you know, you have new ideas, mm. you're really excited. Yes. And people are like, okay, where is he? Now that you're back, which idea? So they are keen.
2: Mm.
1: When you see creativity, you don't have to be in the face of creativity all the time. No. And you don't want to take it to people's faces all no. the time. No. no. You lose the niche. Yes.
0: It's also creativity for creativity's sake, right? So it depends on what you are. Creating mm. core in some ways, mm. or if it's inspired by a particular rhythm of music, you need to honor that,
1: mm.
0: not just make it something that is not in harmony with mm. what you're creating for.
1: Mm. And sometimes I even when I go into hibernation, I do it for my personal yes. benefit. Go to the park and mm. do some stuff or jam. Home, I call friends and we we'll do a drum jamming.
0: Touching back into the performance side of things you say that you are generally like to disrupt things and not follow the status quo, and artistic integrity in that sense would be quite important for you. But how do you accommodate for the audience and the environment that you might be performing for, which can be quite tricky to balance the two, right? Staying true to your roots, but also recognizing that your audience might be in a certain kind of receptive mode. How to take them where you want them to go
1: yeah.
0: through your performance.
1: The first question that I ask is who's integrity. That's are true. Are we talking about? Yeah. Who's who is dictating the terms of the, that point. etiquette and integrity? So for me, I've told people that I want the audience to to interact, not consume. I call it interact mm, or interface. A good way to with a different experience, mm. so that they can ask questions. And here, I give them benefit of doubt. Yeah, the assumption is that they can ask those questions. And so, I bring my aesthetic I bring my creativity. Again, on my own terms. Of course, there are things I accept on stage. You yeah. can't take fire. Those ones, I I you know issues mm. of safety. You need to be there with your dancers on time. Checking those are standard things. You know, yeah. but in terms of just art on stage and performance. I want to do my art on my own terms. That's why Mm -hmm. it's difficult for me to get commission to choreograph, because sometimes people set their own terms and they impose those terms on creativity. Mm. And so I feel suffocating of um, those um, different standards and expectations. So I really um, tell my dancers, because sometimes even dancers find it difficult Mm -hmm. when I tell them to do things that are outside Western aesthetic. I tell them, you have to do it. It's a new experience. I want you to ask ask yourself, why am I doing it? It's very important. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? So that doesn't bother me. Because as I, t- I said at the very mm. beginning, that when we create art and put it out there, we don't have control over how people interact with it or interpret it. And that gives me a kind of confidence yes. to be comfortable to express my art as mm. I wish.
0: So you, you'd want to make the performance as interactive and use the space and environment the best way. but at the end of the day, it's on your terms.
1: The, yeah. Yes, the, which the is quite
0: important. And just surrendering to the fact that how it gets received is out of your control is
1: out of my control. So yeah. I take my product. If you, are, you know, if you paid your money to come and interact with my product, yeah. And if, if you don't like it, for me, it doesn't bother me. Mm. It does not. For as long as I have expressed
0: yes yeah.
1: as long as the, you have the idea and then two i want to generate conversations so that people are able to not to consume and go home and get satisfied i'm like oh yeah no i want them to ask questions mm-hmm. i want them to have conversations i want them mm-hmm. to have a dialogue i've had conversations with different people and people are like you know you didn't mind about you know, formations, but the energy. Even here in 2014 with my students, you know, and mm. everybody was like, oh my God, the smiles on their faces. We wanted to see, you know, the co- and I told them, my, yeah, my idea is not to physically project, you know, um, my concepts. My, the power of my choreography is through the experience yeah. that you see on stage. Mm. I want you to feel it, it's spiritual, Mm. the spirituality is not seen, it's felt, felt. for me it's a spiritual journey, I want you to see the the bodies as spiritual entities Mm -hmm. that are just kind of enjoying and occupying and inhabiting and kind of propagating themselves in these different spaces and they create all these energies which energies feed into each other, you know, and they are decorated with smiles and, you know, that expression. So I want people to feel my dancers, not to see my dancers.
0: Sounds like you have quite a great holistic perspective on terms of surrendering to what's expressed and just letting it go regardless of how it's received. But have you ever experienced Failure quite strongly in yeah. that sense. Yes. And how have you got up from that?
1: No, yeah I'm, I'm used to failure.
0: I see. So it's not so much having not experiencing it but it's getting used to it.
1: It's it's the trick. The trick to getting up is believing that it's normal.
0: That failure is normal. Yes, yes. yeah.
1: It's part of the process. It's part of the journey. So, first and foremost, you need to put that here. You cannot be successful in everything.
2: No.
1: (laughs) If you're successful in everything, then there is something wrong, fundamentally wrong, about you or the people that you're dealing with. (laughs) If you don't experience setbacks, as I call them, those are setbacks. So, I have experienced failure so many times, Mm. but for me, is to appreciate it. That's part of the journey. It's part of human experience, and it's a human condition. Two, I learn from those relationships. I learn about myself mm-hmm. from those barriers. I learn about society. Mm-hmm. You know, I learn about life, yes. and that is a positive.
0: Would you say that's what fuels your courage and confidence as you move through different experiences? Yes. Because they build
1: on each other and so... Y- yes, they, they build on each other. But also, I have a philosophy. Yeah. My philosophy is <laughs> to celebrate small achievements. I don't celebrate mm-hmm. big events. Graduation! I don't! People ask, "Mabingo, now we didn't even see for any Facebook. I know I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, I don't... It's so liberating to appreciate, celebrate what people think are small achievements, and they are not small. I go sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, today I'll just go and see if my drums are still Mm. in tune. I get out my drums, play them, like, oh, they are still in tune. And I've done that. In a day, I celebrate it. Beautiful.
0: In terms of being an artist, developing your own courage to be and express the way is true to you, what advice would you give to people who want to achieve that for themselves?
1: Do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Just do it. I'm a do it person. If you have an idea, do it. Two, I tell people that, hey, you're like a drum. Each drum sits on its own bottom. It's only that bottom that it's can okay. tell you how heavy yeah. the drum is. Each basket sits on its own bottom. So I tell people, experience, pursue your own journey. Dictate the pace for your own journey. Don't get dragged by people's achievements or failures. Get inspired by people's achievements. Don't compete with them. And for failures, your own failures, all. Any other person's experience, learn from them. But the most important thing is, create your own voice, give your own, your journey, mm-hmm. your own tone, tempo, and texture. Three, mm-hmm. I tell people, creatives, step out of the mainstream. It's so, so, scary.
2: Yes.
1: Because you want to go with the there is a, a there are exceptions to the norm. Step out of conventionalism. That is the only way you can introduce ideas, new ideas, mm. and have relevance and expand the ways of life, people's you know, uh, forms of thinking, etc. I don't call it the comfort zone. You can still be in a comfort zone outside right. the mainstream, which is also bad. I'm saying step out of mainstream. Get ideas that people think are crazy.
0: And step outside of your own comfort as well, right? Yeah. In that process.
1: Yeah. Otherwise
0: you're not giving yourself the opportunity to grow. Mm,
1: and for all that, yeah, do it. Also mm. maybe mm. Um, because we are living more in a collaborative world, seek collaborations. Mm. Mm, because you can't be everything.
0: I have one more question about um, performing I've heard from a lot of people even who are seasoned performers in whatever dance entertainment field they're in that no matter how long that they've been doing it for they still get nervous every time they step on that stage before getting on that stage and they have their own rituals and techniques to kind of help calm them or go through that process do you experience that I I do how do you
1: get past it You know, for me, it's interesting. I always don't have fright before. I get fright the first 30 seconds when I'm on stage, as soon as I'm on stage. I don't get it before going on stage. Mm. I'm comfortable, but then when I go stage I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Mm. What am I doing here?
1: (laughs) But then um, I think the um, most important thing is to go on. Normally, I honestly, Mm. what I do is I pick. I always pick one person in the audience, and I focus on them. And that brings me into the performance. And then with the kind of, you know, that kind of...
0: Interaction?
1: Yeah, bond. Yeah. Bond. bond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, brings me to that space. Yeah. Mm. And then once I am there, it takes, it doesn't take long. And once I'm there, yeah. then I really, yeah. I I'll go and for And then it. once
0: you're in it, mm. it just mm. takes care of itself. Mm get in the zone. One last question before we wrap up. It is a quote by Maya Angelou. You can't use up creativity. The more you use it, the more you have. What is your interpretation of that quote? How do you connect with that?
1: Yeah I know I think when you create, um, you expand boundaries of creativity. It's about always, you know, expanding boundaries. But when you don't, the boundaries remain the same. And so creativity doesn't grow because it also grows, you know. Yeah, yeah and so the more you do it, the more you challenge it. Yes. And the more you challenge yourself to immerse yourself into it and see how to, you know, blossom and grow. Grow it, grow in it, grow through it, and grow with it. Nice way to
0: finish off. Thank you.
1: Uh, Always my pleasure. Thank you.
0: So that's it for this episode of Curiously Creative. We hope it has sparked a little or a lot of creativity and curiosity in you. Curiously Creative is a production by Curiously Creative. Who would have thought? So if you'd like to know our comings and goings and check out some more inspiring content, head on over to curiouslycreative.co.nz. Until the next episode... With lots of love and a massive splash of joy, Akriti, your creative curiosity advocate. Oh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a comment on iTunes as it helps more people find these conversations.